Today, the church celebrates the baptism of the Lord. And the question always comes up asking, why would Jesus need to be baptized? He is the Son of God, and yet, as it says in Matthew's interpretation, it is in his humanity that he submits to everything human beings must submit to. And so he himself descends into the waters and hears the words that every human being longs to hear. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And there it is, almost hidden in plain sight. In the beginning, like Jesus, we are told that we are beloved of God. But for us, sin injures our first memory. And we live out the rest of our lives trying to remember what we were first told by God, that we are inherently beloved. There is a well-known story that makes this point. There was a family that had a baby, and they brought their new baby home to their three-year-old son. And if many of you know, three-year-olds live in an enchanted world. Anyway, the little one says, I want to speak to my little brother, but I want to speak to him alone, which somewhat surprised the parents. And so they let the three-year-old go into the nursery with the new baby, and the parents shut the door behind them and press their ears to the door so that they can hear, thinking to themselves, what is he going to say? And apparently, this is what the three-year-old said, looking down into the crib. Quick, tell me who made you. Tell me where you came from, because I'm beginning to forget. This story is innocent and quaint, but it does reveal a profound truth, the truth that we are all born into this world innocent but beloved. But as we grow older, we lose our innocence, and we no longer believe in our inherent belovedness. And the whole story of salvation history is three steps forward and two steps backwards, trying to get back to that moment to when we knew we were inherently loved. There are so many legends across so many cultures that truly honor this primordial need to know the origin of our soul as divine gift. And in many of these legends, they intimate that there is a belovedness we are told in the beginning that we need to remember. Among the Norwegians, there is a beautiful legend that before a soul is put into a body, that soul is kissed by God. And during all of its life on earth, the soul retains a dark but powerful memory of that kiss and relates everything in life to it. And then there is a Jewish legend that says that just before God puts a soul into the body, that soul is asked to forget its prenatural life. And just as the soul enters the body, 
one of God's angels presses the baby's mouth shut as a gesture that during its earthly life, it is to be silent about its divine origin. And the little crevice below each person's nose is the imprint of the angel's forefinger sealing your lips. And that is why when you are trying to remember something in your ponderings, your forefinger spontaneously rises and rests in that crevice. Our spiritual masters tell us that the journey toward God begins with original grace. That's what we celebrate in baptism. But we must begin with some positive experience that is both unknown to us and yet infinitely known to us by something that plunges us into the mysterious depths of our own being in God. But if, by contrast, we seek God out of fear or guilt or shame, we will not go very far. And a great many people make a great many mistakes in life because they have never heard what Jesus heard in his baptism. They never heard another human voice to say to them, you are beloved son, you are beloved daughter, and in you I am well pleased. The fact is, if you have never had anyone believe in you, take delight in you, affirm you, call you a beloved, you really don't have anywhere to begin. And if we don't get the beginning right, we will spend the whole of our lives trying to say these words to ourselves, trying to convince ourselves, I'm okay, I'm wonderful, I'm great, all of which we say, but don't really believe. But to really know, to know that you are beloved, that kind of knowing always has to come from someone greater than you. And that's what mothers and fathers are for. That's their primary job description. Because once they have a child, their job is to communicate to this child that they are a beloved, eternal, existing child of God. And if parents fail, we fail our children. It seems that outside our homes, our culture will not tell our children that they are inherently beloved. Our culture will tell them that they are inherently free, provided for, independent, equal. But our culture says nothing about being inherently beloved. Maybe one unintended consequence is that we were taught we had to earn God's love. And it seems for far too long and for far too many, we never felt worthy enough, good enough, or holy enough to be a beloved of God. And so this terrible sense of self-doubt became for us a self-fulfilling prophecy. But as parents and grandparents, we have the power to reverse the scourge of self-doubt 
and disbelief our culture threatens our children. And it has always been part of our tradition. For example, one of the reasons why we say prayers before bed is so that the words of God will be the last words heard before we enter into sleep in that place somewhere between consciousness and unconsciousness where God speaks to us. And with our prayers, we should bless our children with our prayers before bed by making the sign of the cross on their forehead, telling them that they are a beloved son and a beloved daughter of God, and that their names are already written in heaven. And if you did that every night for your child, it will be for them a self-fulfilling prophecy that they will soon come to believe what they already are, a beloved of God. And so today we celebrate the beginning of the spiritual life. On this feast of Jesus' baptism, Jesus hears that he is a beloved son and he is dipped into the mystery of life and death and love. And that's where it begins for all of us. Even the unique Son of God had to hear it with his own ears. And because of that, he had plenty to say for the next three years of his life. This is our initiation rite. And until it happens on some level and in some way to everyone, our lives really have yet to begin. We don't really know who we are until we know we are loved. Because our identities get all confused and wrapped up in who we think we are by our pride, our power, and our possessions, by our professions, all of which are wonderful and necessary, but they are not who you are. Because who you are in the eyes of God is who you will be forever. And the church exists to reveal that one and eternal truth of your inherent belovedness. Because once you get that straight, then nothing can stop you. No one can take it away from you because no one else can give it to you except the voice of God.